0: Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of
1: sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ.
2: It's time for Wretched Radio. With Todd Frio. You have objections? A dead guy has your solution. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps you are one of the myriads of Christians who does but shouldn't have a fear of death. The world has a terror when they think about death, but a Christian must not. We have every reason to look forward to what happens when we pass through the door of death and yet there are many of us who are just horrified at the thought of dying well you're not amongst a new generation we're in the 22nd century but in the 18th century a dead guy named nicholas byfield decided to address the subject about death to help his parishioners and his readers overcome their fear of death So if you perhaps have some objections to dying, perhaps his article or his book rather will have a twofold effect on you. One, that you won't be scared of death anymore. Two, that you'll start looking forward to heaven. Now, a good talk show host at this minute would promote a book that we are actually selling at the Wretched Store at Wretched.org called 50 Days of Heaven Reflections. That being... Oh, I need my glasses for everything. Reflections that bring eternity to light. Oh, that's what it says right there. By the way, speaking of Randy Elcorn, I received an email. There's another book of Randy's that we have in our store called Safely Home. I'm telling you, this this, this book will change your perspective on life. It will it'll change your perspective on dying and death and the afterlife. Not kidding. So, received. Okay. Uh, uh, this, right right here. Look at how organized we are. Not really. Eileen, she said, I got the audio book of Safely Home. I'm more wretched and disgraceful than I've ever dreamed. <laughs> Apparently, Eileen got a little bit convicted from the book. This book has left me undone and praying in new ways for new things. If you've never prayed for our brothers and sisters overseas, read Safely Home. You'll start and you'll continue. Eileen writes, I can't stop thinking about it, yet want to listen again and again for what I missed. I want to order a case of them to give away. Everyone should read this book. I want to thank you, but also don't. (laughs) Words can't describe what I feel about this book. Who knew fiction could do that? That is exactly what countless people have experienced when they read Safely Home, available at Wretched.org, and 50 Days of Heaven, Reflections that Bring Eternity to Light by Randy Elkhorn. Wretched.org. Let's get to your objections, shall we? Some men say they should not be afraid of death, considering the gain of it and the happiness after death, but they are afraid of the pain of dying. It is the difficulty of the passage that troubles them. Uh, I, I have to confess, that's not quite me, but it's not entirely not me. Are you looking forward to the process? I, I mean, really? I doubt it. I, I mean, how, how many times have you perhaps thought, I hear this expressed regularly, somebody dies in their sleep. Oh, that's the way to go right there. That's, that's, Yeah. Or they they just they had something just massive, an aneurysm or a heart attack, and they died quickly. Well, at least they didn't have to suffer. We're, we're averse to suffering, and I don't think that's wrong, but I do think it needs to be overcome. Let's let Nicholas Byfield help us do just that. He writes, you do not like death because of the pain of death. Why, there is pain in the curing of a wound, yet men will endure it. And shall death do so great a cure as to make you whole of all your wounds and diseases? And are you so loath to come to the cure? Well, that's a different way of looking at death, it's a cure. Everything that you struggle with, all of your pains, all of your maladies, all of your disappointments, all of your heartbreaks, gone. They're cured because you've entered into your eternal state and you will not experience those things anymore. Might it hurt when you die? Yeah, but you go to a dentist because your tooth hurts and you want relief, and even though there's a pretty good chance he's going to inflict a little more pain, you're willing to endure it because of the benefit, and that should be our attitude too. The benefits of dying. There's a sentence for you. The benefits of dying are so great that it should cause us to go, all right, fine, I'm not going to sing the praises of the death process, but let's do it because it's going to be worth it. Second solution to your objection of the fear of dying, there is difficulty in getting into heaven. Would you rather still be in the tempest than put into heaven? Do you really want to stay here? Really? Thirdly, you do not like death, you say, for the pain of it. Why then do you like life, which places you in worse pain? Men do not object at the pains of life while they endure without death, which they endure without death. There is almost no man, but he has endured worse pains in life than he can endure in death, and yet we are content to love life still. Yes, such is our folly that there in some pains of life we call for death to come to our rescue. Yet, when we're well again, we love life and loathe death. Isn't that funny? When it gets really, really bad, you'll hear people cry out, I'd rather just die. Kidney stones come to mind. Because <laughs> I actually know two guys. The first guy said it to me, and I was like, really? And then the second guy who had kidney stones said it, and I went, huh, must be must be pretty gnarly. They both said, I asked God to kill me. That That's... That's how bad it is. But as soon as God cured them of the kidney stones, they stopped praying that. (laughs) (laughs) they, They loved the idea of death when it was really bad here. This may or may not help you, but I think this is something that we should strive for, a recognition of what this is, that this is not a bed of roses. It is littered with thorns. It is hard. It is difficult and there is so much struggling and there is so much unfulfilled dreams and hopes and desires, shouldn't it make us long to die? Not expedite the process, but long for it. We are manifestly mistaken concerning death, for the last gasp is not death. To live is to die. Every step of this life is a step of death. He that has lived his days is dead up to half of his life. Death first gets at our infancy, then our youth, and so forth. All that you have lived is actually dead in this respect. So everything that's behind you, that's, you, you, that's all dead because it's not there anymore. It's gone. You've lived it. Past is dead. In other words, you got a lot of death under your belt already. Shouldn't we be able to endure the final death? Sixthly, where am I? Uh, uh, yeah, it's fifthly. Math has never been a strong suit. It is further evident that in death there is no pain. It is our life that goes along with pain. What is it to be dead, but not to be in the world? And is it pain to be out of the world? Were we in any pain before we were born? Why then do we accuse death for the pains our life gives us at the time of our departure? I don't know how these guys thought of this stuff. I'm telling you, they slice a loaf of bread 75 different ways. Amazing. Sixth objection, our sixth solution to your objection of the pains of dying. If our coming into the world is with tears, is it any wonder our going out might be so as well? There isn't a baby in the womb who would go, no, 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 no. I do not want to go through that process. No, they want to get out. Because that's the better side to be on. Ditto when it comes to death. It is evident that we make the passage more difficult by bringing to death a troubled and irresolute mind. It is wrong of ourselves to think that there is terror in departing. So it's kind of a head game that we play with ourselves. Eighthly, consider yet more the sicknesses of most men. Men will suffer infinite pain for a small amount of living. Or preferment here in this world, will soldiers kill themselves for things of no value and yet we be afraid of a little pain to be endured when such a glorious estate is immediately to be enjoyed in heaven by redeemed Christians. Death is death is not something that I think we should be singing worship songs about. Yay, yay, I can't wait to die. <laughs> I don't think that's the right response either. But maybe, just maybe, working on our thinking before we get to our deathbed, because we're all going to have one, we're all going to get there, we would do well to prepare to die well. It is a subject, the Puritans, they were on it regularly, that we spend a day in the house of mourning to learn, to number our days so that we can actually be more effective as we live until we get to Die. Maybe, just maybe, these solutions will help you overcome your objections to dying. This is Wretched Radio. Let's go to Eastern Europe for yet. Another great story coming out of the Tomorrow Clubs.
1: Andrea was left by her
0: mother when she was three months old. The Tomorrow Club director decided to pray for this girl and she repented. She used to be a sad-looking kid. Now, it seems like that smile never comes off her face.
2: So many kids are abandoned by parents who need to go to other countries to make a living. They donate their organs. They leave the kids. They are lost physically and spiritually. And the Tomorrow Clubs finds them. They teach them the gospel. They help them to memorize Bible verses. They even will help them with their family lives. It's a magnificent ministry story after story coming out of Eastern Europe. $30 a month, 30 disciples. Tomorrow Clubs is the ministry. Would you please consider supporting a club of your own? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched.
3: I want to share with you voicemails we receive nearly daily here at Wretched. Wretched Radio has just really impacted my life. Just really brought me closer to God through
2: your video. God saved me. Wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have NRB and Wretched TV. Just wanted to say that Wretched has changed my life.
3: We are grateful to hear the testimonies of our listeners and our viewers, and we want you to also hear the lives that are being impacted by you, our gospel partners. These testimonies aren't about Todd. They're not about Wretched Radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we do at Wretched without the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner today if you aren't already? Help us to reach the lost all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, because ultimately, the glory is all His. It's not Wretched's. It's not even yours. But it is your efforts that help make our efforts possible. And all of those efforts are to the praise and glory of God alone. Get complete details right now at Wretched.org donate.
2: If and you think there are assaults on biblical truth in the good old U.S. of A. Oh, travel overseas. Those assaults do not stay inside of our borders. And that is why Dr. John MacArthur, leading the Masters Academy International mini seminaries all throughout the world in 17 different nations, equipping pastors to rightly divide the word, fill empty pulpits, and defend The
1: truth The foundation of all ministry is having a firm grasp of the authority and inerrancy of Scripture. The age of tolerance in which we live has caused guys to soften their message, which means you eliminate certain things in Scripture or you soften the message. Young guys that are coming into the ministry need to reaffirm their commitment to the authority and power of Scripture.
2: Please support that effort through the Master's Academy International, wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor.
0: Know Your Church Fathers Cyprian was a 3rd century theologian from Carthage, North Africa, where he served as bishop until he was beheaded under Emperor Valerian. Cyprian authored a book called On the Unity of the Church, stressing the unity of the universal church as well as the importance and authority of the
2: local church. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It was the great lyricists Lennon and McCartney who asked, Will you still need me? Will you still be afraid of death when you're 64? Maybe that was a paraphrase. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps the thought of death is an objectionable idea to you, but you say, if I could just... If I could just die when I'm old, then I wouldn't be afraid of death. Then I wouldn't be so scared. I just want to make sure that I've got a life that has been long lived. Then I'll be okay with it. Um, No, you won't. You won't. Because that isn't how we get over our fear of death. We get over our fear of death through knowledge of understanding what it is and what's on the other side of death. And if you and I don't take the time to think these issues through, then we will become 64-year-olds who are frightened of death still. And then you can say, well, if I could just live to 74 and God gives you another decade, you're still going to be afraid of death. It has to be dealt with. It is something that needs to be overcome. The fear of death is actually a sin for the Christian. We should not be afraid of death because God has told us everything we need to know about it we know that we're going to do it. Nobody has escaped it. And he is going to take us home. And if we fear it still, we're doubting God, we're not trusting God, we're not believing God, or we're just saying, I don't care, I'm scared. Let's work through it, courtesy of Nicholas Byfield, who deals with your objection. I wouldn't be afraid to die if I were 60 or 80. I'd be content then. One, If you are willing to die at any time, why not now? Death will be the same to you as it is now. In other words, you are still going to be afraid of death unless you deal with it. 2. Is any man angry and grieved when he is at sea in a tempest because he shall be so quickly carried into heaven? Is he displeased with the wind that will soon set him safe in the harbor? If you believe that death will end all of your miseries, why are you careful to defer the time? No, we don't become reckless, but we, we don't have to just long for a long life so that we won't fear death. Number three, until your debt is paid, time will not ease you. Your care will continue, and therefore, you would be as good to pay at the first as at the last, if you are sure it must be paid at all. Four, in this world, there is neither young nor old. When you've lived to that age you desire, your time past will be as nothing. You will expect that which is to come. You will be ready to demand a longer time from that point forward. You will do the same then as you are thinking now. (laughs) That's what I said. He just said it a lot better. Would you tarry here for so long? There will be nothing new but what you have already tasted. In other words, there's nothing new. You're not going to experience anything. Okay, this, I, I warn you, this might be a model in thought. I, I I could be wrong, but this could be a model in thought. So, Jimmy, you be the judge if this kind of crosses into the line of, and eh, I don't think that's right. Okay. Jimmy, you've been around a number of decades now. Yes. And you've probably you've traveled, yes? Mm-hmm. You've yes. eaten meals. Yes. You've gone to entertainment venues, seen concerts, right? Mm-hmm. Watched a sunset. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So now, for the rest of your life, you'll have already done those things. But there's one thing that you will not have done. Okay. Die. Yeah, that's true. I I just wonder. Again, this 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 might be a little bit dark, or maybe even just wrong. But it seems to me as the decades roll on, life becomes rather. Mm, I mean, it takes some sort of meal to to get you excited about culinary delights, because it's like I, you know, what I've had better pizza before. No, no, I, I like the ice cream. I've had the ice cream at the other store. That one was better. That it just gets. It's 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 not that you get depressed. It's just that life becomes less. um, Zesty? Do you remember when you started coming of age? Meaning, it was the time and it's varying degrees. When I was a kid, it used to be 18. Today, I think it's 38. But, it was the time when you started to go out on your own and you started doing real adult things. I don't know if this is true for you, but it was certainly true of me. I look back and I remember those times. They were very heady. I, I... I'm, I'm living in my own space. I can go to bed whenever I want to. I could, wait a second. I can go to the grocery store and and get nothing but cherry licorice? That, I can do that? And I did. And it was exciting. And it was enjoyable. And it was fun. And it was, hey, uh, yes, I do have a reservation. The last name is Friel. Oh, it is so cool. And everything that was new was just really quite energizing. That feeling goes away. And I think it goes away increasingly as the decades depart. And I can't help but think maybe with that acknowledgement that you actually do have something new to look forward to. Death, you've never done that before. This this is the last thing you get to do that is new. The last thing. Maybe just... Maybe without being weird about this, that death is something that if you're finding life to be now, your 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 years are now quite high. You've got something big to look forward to. I mean, you've got something really big to look forward to. You've got something new to look for. You're going to experience death. You haven't done that yet. You're going to do that. And then your eternity begins. I wonder if that isn't the thought that should energize how we're living today. What is in front of us, Nicholas Byfield, overcoming your objection to thinking, I'll be fine if I just die when I'm old. Six, would you judge someone a fool that mourns because he was not alive 100 years ago? You are no better. You mourn because you cannot live 100 years from now. How silly is this? (laughs) I do love straightforward talk, don't you? You have no power to control tomorrow to make it happier than it is today. If you die young, you are like one that has lost a die in a game of chance, with which it does not matter if you try to win or lose. With one die, you cannot really win, though you believe you're playing the game. This this whole thing, this whole shebang, out of your control. Totally, thoroughly out of your control. Aren't we inclined to think that that is not true? that we that just we've got to keep this together. I don't know if this thought will help you, but for some reason it it's been helping me to not get so caught up in I don't want to say self-importance because that's not the sense that I have. I don't think it, it's it's the that that what it my 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 little world, it's important. okay, it's important. The vast majority of people on the planet, would, would eavesdrop on my life and go, boring, not interesting, no big deal. But it is to me because this is my little world and I need to do these things. If I don't do this, the kids will that. If I don't act like this, my spouse will this. If I don't perform at work, then we won't have any money. And we get the sense that we are really needed and really important and that, that this, this, this immediate world that is yours is the only world that exists. That thought probably isn't helpful yet. But I was thinking, okay, my, let's just say that my little world is just this little tiny circle about the size of a thimble. That's, that's my world and my life. Jimmy happens to be inside of that circle. But, Jimmy, your circle just barely overlaps mine. Okay. Right? Yeah. And you've got people in your life, their circle just barely overlaps yours. Right. And suddenly you start to realize, hey, there's a lot of circles out there. And I don't have control of mine. They don't have control of theirs. But God does. He's he's controlling all the circles. He's running everybody's world. Everybody's. It's funny. My wife has a slightly different world. Our 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 worlds are very closely in sync. Believe me. But... She still has parts that it's like she has, she has different concerns inside of the same circle. Let's put it that way. And she's busy doing that. My kids are busy doing that. My cousins are doing that. Everybody's doing that. And we don't have it. No, that doesn't mean that we stop being concerned about issues of the day and performing our tasks. But it helps us to realize I'm so puny. I'm so small, I'm so insignificant, and God is so big. And he's got this under control, and he's good, and he's able, and he's faithful, and he's determined the day that I'm going to die, he's got this figured out. I'm learning that increasingly. He's got it figured out. You, you cling to life less. The more mundane, the more difficult the more physically taxing it becomes. You'll long for heaven more and more. He's got it sorted and he knows that it's good that we grow old, get feeble, lose our ability to sing, to see, to hear, because it forces us to look up and say, he's got it and I won't fear what he has prescribed. This is Wretched Radio.
3: This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start today listening in to a teacher and one of her fourth grade students.
2: Um, How do you feel about calling me teacher Roby, and how do you feel
3: about
0: my pronouns being they them?
3: I feel good about your pronouns, and I think you should accept yourself. You know, Miss Roby sounds more like a propaganda groomer and indoctrinator than a teacher to me, but I may just be a little too old-fashioned. Well, here's a disgusting and disgraceful story from California. Parents are outraged, and rightfully so, at an elementary school that has allowed 11-year-old girls to be housed overnight in a cabin with male counselors. It was all a part of a camping trip of some sort, and for three nights in a row, male counselors were allowed to buck in the cabin of these fifth-grade girls, because those men say they would like to use they-them pronouns. And the school responded by saying, we just place staff in cabins that they identify with. All in the name of inclusion, it's okay to put children at risk. A little potential sexual abuse, hey, what's that in the name of not hurting someone's feelings? Disgusting. Totally disgusting. We're not even two full months into 2022, and already a record number of pro-life bills have been introduced in states across the country. 230 bills, to be exact. And these bills are all spurred by the hope that the U.S. Supreme Court could overturn Roe v. Wade later this summer. Obviously, the eradication of all forms of baby murder is the obvious overall goal, but these 230 state-level bills could lead to the saving of the lives of tens of thousands of unborn babies each year on their own. Okay, so listen to this line from a recent Washington Post article, and I quote the belief that one's entitled to freedom is a key component of white supremacy. So if you believe as an American, you have an inherent freedom and aren't under the rule of another country's constitution, you're a white supremacist, even if you aren't white. Try telling that to a non-white American, Washington Post. This is basically just a call for communism. A pro-life nurse from Illinois who was fired after refusing to refer mothers for abortion has been awarded nearly $400,000 in damages and attorney fees. Well, praise God for that. Murdering a baby is not necessary or essential no matter what politicians try to tell you. A new study conducted through telephone surveys of 12,000 U.S. adults has revealed that the number of Americans identifying as LGBT has increased just over 7%. Obviously, I understand a telephone survey is not the most accurate data-capturing method, but I think we can get a clear picture of what they're saying here. The rate of people claiming an allegiance to an anti-God ideology is higher than it's ever been in this country, and that informs us of many things, the chief of which is the need for evangelism. Look, Go, share the gospel, throw and water the seed, and God will save all those he deems to save. More Wretched Radio, straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Books of the Bible. The Book of Isaiah is a collection of prophecies given to Isaiah. It can be divided in two parts. Isaiah delivered bad news to Israel and the surrounding nations concerning God's judgment, and he delivered good news of salvation for those who repent. Isaiah also offers detailed prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, who offers eternal salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The smaller the number... The bigger they hit.
2: That's right. That was a Casey Kasem impersonation. <laughs> and he had a really bad sore throat. This is <laughs> Wretched Radio. Jimmy, we're going to take requests today. That's ah, right. Mm-hmm. Right at my alley. We are going to be like Casey Kasem. You just send in your request and we'll play it. Guess who is going to make the request? Who's that? That's you. Oh, what am I regretting? I'm going to read for you some of the subject matter that is contained in a new resource that we produce called Wretched Worldview. Thrilled to pieces. So many people availing themselves of this resource with Dr. Owen Strand tackling 22 subjects biblically with a set of principles that you can use to noodle your way through any of our contemporary kooky issues. So, Jimmy, I'm going to read the different subjects and then you pick which one you want to hear okay all right try to pick one that owen stranded <laughs> national and personal debt ah. capital punishment mm. denominationalism the character of politicians life issues burial and cremation submitting to government Ooh, that's an interesting one right there mm-hmm. submitting to government so i'm not trying to tip your hand in any way but <laughs> s- submitting to government that sounds kind of interesting to me socialism no we did a comparison between capitalism and socialism all right you got to pick one of those right. two yeah, one of So those- <laughs> i'm just—I'm not who took casey Kasem's play i'm ryan seacrest uh, yeah, i'm that, sort yeah. of going to honor your request okay all right i,
3: I think after a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. uh submitting to the government
2: You like that one? Uh, Absolutely. I'm so relieved that you decided (laughs) to pick that one. This is from Wretched Worldview. Funky music intro. Because we want to be like a cool church. Hip and relevant. You know what? I don't even remember who taught this one. (laughs) This is going to be as much of a surprise to you as it is to me. I think. I hope it's not me. Well, if you haven't. It's me. Did you say you wanted to hear capitalism versus socialism <laughs> that's, that's what i meant that's <laughs> i thought so you know i have that spiritual gift of knowing what you meant i think hearing from owen would be more interesting don't you cue the funky music i'd say white boy but that's probably not politically correct
1: tell me if you've ever sat through this kind of lecture You're hearing about how bad capitalism is from somebody whose iPhone is constantly vibrating in their pocket (laughs) and who has a MacBook $2,500 worth sitting right beside them. Uh We've all perhaps seen it a critique of capitalism coming from a different perspective, perhaps a socialist one, and maybe it's left us a little confused. In this lesson in retro
2: Okay, before he goes on any further, ain't that the truth? How many university professors, all making six figures, decry the evils of capitalism, the very system that has them sitting in the nice house in the nice part of town?
1: Worldview, let's sift through the chatter. Let's think well about the free market, and let's think well biblically about socialism. Shall we? Let's do that. But first, let's think about pre-understandings. No one approaches these topics with any kind of forethought, do they? I think they do. First, people think this. You might even think this. socialism is a movement of freedom and hope, returning power to the people. Second, Capitalism is based on greed. Third, the free market is a system that works seamlessly on its own. Fourth, Christianity is about spiritual things, not money and systems. We're above all this. Why are we talking about capitalism? Christians are above possessions. We don't even need to be talking about such things. Here at Wretched, we think we do. (laughs) We think, actually, the Bible has some things
2: to say about it. But you gotta get rid of your pre-understandings first. I, I know. At least I think I know. You like capitalism as the best human-created system to date for the maximum of human flourishing. But just for a moment, lose it so that we can have the Bible inform us completely. That's right.
1: (laughs) He's just laughing. Let's continue. Acts 2 first passage explicit Bible verses all who believe were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Why talk about this? because it shows us that the early church was not ruled by the free market, was not ruled by their possessions. In fact, Christian faith bred tremendous generosity. actually, that's been a that's been a trajectory throughout history. No, that's
2: socialism man. That's that, that socialism. That proves it right there.
1: People will say that. People will say that. Actually, I think what we're going to see is that that doesn't fit. But we got to do some more verses. Okay, right. Friel, right. is that okay with you? Zip it. All right. Second, Acts 4. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Here again, a passage that can sound socialistic. In other words, that we shouldn't have private property, that we should all own things all together. Nobody should have more than anyone else. All the people should be equal. Some will say these two passages in Acts enfranchise a Christian doctrine of socialism. You know what I think they enfranchise? A Christian doctrine of generosity. But we need to build the case further. We can't do it just off of these two passages. Acts 20, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why Why is this here? This is here because, again, giving is a very big deal in Christianity. The Christian worldview is fundamentally a generous worldview. It is not stingy. It's not even really every person for themselves. It's a generous worldview, and giving is very, very highly prioritized, something we do well to remember today in a very individualistic American or Western context, perhaps. All right, next passage, 1 Timothy five seventeen to 18, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. There's especially, by the way, far beyond money spiritual reward to come. We will personally be rewarded by the Lord Jesus Christ for all our good works, works produced by his grace on the last day. Last passage, 2 Thessalonians 3. Even when we were with you, Paul says, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. This passage teaches that you are responsible for yourself and God wants you to work and God wants you to work hard. That's not necessarily how a secular worldview trains us all to think today, how our culture goes, but that's how the Bible goes, and that's what the Bible's trying to breed in us, a working spirit. Implicit Bible verses, 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world. We cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. This is strong language. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and it pierced themselves with many pangs. All of us need to watch that we are not ruled by a lust for money, but instead by the power of the Spirit in us we exude godliness with contentment does this mean it's wrong to be rich does this mean it's wrong to have wealth i don't think it means that at all there's a demonization of wealth actually that can occur in our our circles that's not good nonetheless whether you have a lot of money some money or almost no money your life is to be a godliness with contentment life Recognizing that is great gain, and you always, I think, based on this passage, have to be careful about your heart. First Thessalonians 4, 10 to 12. We urge you brothers to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may live properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Two things here. Number one, Christianity isn't just about having a job, it's about building a vocation. It's about identifying your strengths, gifts. Uh, attributes that God has given you and putting them to work as best you can for the glory of God. That's that's vocational work as opposed to merely paycheck
2: work. I'm surprised you did not include anything about Abraham being rich and not being condemned for it. We see in both Old and New Testaments yeah. that there are some people with more, some people with less, and God is okay with that. right? He doesn't condemn one and say, there must be equal for everybody. Now it shouldn't be gained illicitly, but it's not condemned. So God is actually okay with different socioeconomic yes. levels. And and two, the, the idea of generous giving, I'm glad you brought that up in contradistinction to government programs, which take from one group to give to another. That's right. not generosity. That's a little bit closer to thou Thou shalt not steal. Taking somebody's stuff to give it to somebody else? Capitalism v. Socialism. Dr. Owen Strand, wretched worldview. By the way, did you notice we didn't even get to the implicit Bible verses yet? Because you've got to do both explicit and implicit. There are so many verses that lead us to an understanding of what is best. And incidentally, if you have not instructed your kids about some of the biblical bases for this idea of free market capitalism, Uh, you might want to do that because I can promise you a socialist prof won't. This is Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine, trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're gonna go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable biblical health sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of medishare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if medishare is right for you and your family. 1 844 34 Bible. 1 844 34 Bible for medishare Thanks for joining us on Wretched Radio
3: today. Question, do you ever sit back and reflect on what your life was like 5, 10, 15, even 20 minutes ago? (laughs) Yeah, me neither. There's too much going on in the present to waste time reflecting on the past. And that, unfortunately, is the mindset of culture today. Of course, it's actually beneficial to reflect on the past, especially past episodes of Wretched TV and radio, which can be found organized nice and neat at Wretched.org. You'll also find over 40 amazing resources in the Wretched store, which coincides were all produced and written in the past. Imagine that. You can learn in the present from things produced in the past. And thanks to the ongoing support of our gospel partners, we have been able to continue talking about the greatest event that ever happened in the past, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sure would love and cherish your prayers and support as we use the things of the past to affect lives in the present and future. So if any of this made any sense to you whatsoever, visit us online right now at wretched.org donate.
2: 59 million people died last year from diseases like heart disease, cancer, diabetes. But the number one leading cause of death, its very own category of 42.6 million lives that ended abortion. It is hands down the number one leading cause of death on the globe and that statistic can overwhelm us and cause us to give up but it should motivate us to get engaged get involved and fight for one life at a time and we can do that through preborn.org slash wretched $28 buys an ultrasound. 80% of the time, mom chooses life. That is a good investment that saves lives. Would you please consider supporting as many ultrasounds as you can at preborn.org slash wretched.
0: Hermeneutics. A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in Scripture is narrative. Narratives tell us of real events with real people in real places at a real time. Not everything we read in narratives is condoned by God, but everything we read is part of God working out His plan for the world. This is Wretched Radio with
2: Todd Friel. Even Christian kids aren't kooky about Capitalism. That was for our Southern Baptist friends. This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Owen Stran visited us in studio two days where we dove deep into 22 subjects to figure them out biblically. Just an idea for you. If you're going to instruct your children on the subject of free market capitalism, a little bit redundant, but might I suggest you do it with Bible open? That you don't just talk about its advantages and, and socialism never works. You should go to Venezuela and see what's good. They don't have any toilet paper. Okay, all supports that it is not a good system. But if we want socialism to be in the ash heap of history, at least in our own children's heads, we've got to use the Bible. And that is exactly where we started in Wretched Worldview, a new resource available at wretched.org. Dr. Owen Strand, he has shared the explicit and the implicit, I know we jumped over those, implicit Bible verses to get to, how does the gospel inform
1: me regarding, what? Capitalism versus socialism? First thing to say is that the gospel causes us to want to work hard and provide well. We want to work hard. The gospel doesn't anesthetize you. The gospel revs you up. The gospel is superheated energy in your life. It takes those of us who are lazy, those of us who have no purpose, who have no direction, who don't want to build a vocation, and it causes us to want to work hard. And this life calls for us to work hard, to build a vocation for God's glory. Those of us who are called to be providers, whether it's simply ourselves or whether it's as a man, a husband, for a wife and children, the gospel makes us want to work hard, even brutally hard. That's all the fruit, I believe, of salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Second, the gospel frees us from miserable covetousness and foolish stewardship. Third, the gospel empowers both open-hearted generosity and principled investment. When you're a Christian, every sinful thing you've ever done and ever will do has been forgiven. That creates a generous heart. And extending the point a little bit, I think that causes you to take your life seriously, to take your family's life seriously, and to invest, to be wise with your money, these sorts of things. We could say a lot more along those lines, but we need to go into the historic Christian position on these matters. Very succinctly in the Reformation period, the doctrine of the free market took root and developed. John Calvin said a lot of things, but let's just pull out a little splice here. Let him who possesses a field so partake of its yearly fruits that he may not suffer the ground to be injured by his negligence, but let him endeavor to hand it down to posterity as he received it or even better cultivate it. That is such a fascinating quotation from John Calvin because he is there making clear uh, that it is a good thing to possess a field So private property, private ownership is not bad in Calvin's mind. It's a good thing. Contra-socialism. He's calling for the careful cultivation and stewardship of the land. And he's calling, thirdly, uh, for, for the one who owns it to hand it down to posterity. So wealth is not something to be seized by the state automatically, death taxes. In Calvin's mind, wealth is something that's to be transferred to generations. It's a gift. It's a good thing, and we want to receive it as such if we're following in line with John Calvin. A second point we should make along historical lines is that Christians have historically supported the free market, but with careful qualifications. Morality must affect and shape the market. Okay, this is really important. Capitalism slash free market better term is sometimes said to be unfettered greed and those therefore who support the free market support unfettered greed not right that's not historically right Uh, with the church it's not historically right even beyond the church christians have historically been a voice for for a moral presence in the free market. In other words, you shouldn't charge wicked interest of people. You shouldn't take advantage of the poor. You should be generous. Tons and tons of philanthropic enterprises throughout history in the West and beyond have been funded by very, very rich people who had morality affecting their understanding of money, their possessions, and the market. Much more to say there, but do not let that pass. If, for example, an amped up young person fresh from a university education tells you that all free market investment is wicked greed, it's not necessarily the case. We understand that there is real greed in the world. We also understand that it's a good thing to have private property, it's a good thing to make money, it's a good thing to invest that money, it's a good thing to give that money. All that is not necessarily greed. Okay. But, but, but
2: Dr. Strand, but yes. socialism makes that wicked greed go away oh it does no oh no it doesn't no it doesn't that's true they throw they throw a dart at free market without recognizing those same principles sinful men are going to do sinful things it does require morality but frankly so would socialism
1: there is no system that's so important that will expunge greed avarice preying on others what we need is a system that does better than the other systems.
2: If I might, for those of us who believe in free markets, then what is the motivation to work hard? Under the glory of God, and it is also okay to provide well for your family, and it's okay to work to leave behind an inheritance. Those are our motivators, not greed. And that is another reason why in there's there's... A system for ungodly people? (laughs) It's it's impossible to find one that is going to overcome all of the sinful inclinations of the people
1: that are participating in it. So are we presenting here in this material and wretched worldview capitalism slash the free market as perfect? No, 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 no. There's going to be lots of issues with those of us who participate in the free market. Do we think, though, that Capitalism is far better than socialism. Yes, we do. And, and, and. Yes, we do. More in alignment with biblical ideals. Absolutely. The Bible goes against all uh, those ideas that socialism would raise along those lines. Personal testimony. How do these matters affect our personal testimony? Here's some questions to ask along these lines. How does my interest in sound thinking commend the witness of the gospel? Here's the deal, all truth is God's truth. And so if we're making a good case on economic issues, Actually, that should really aid our witness of the gospel, even if people don't initially agree with us. We present it carefully. Nonetheless, we're free to present it. Number two, are there ways that I can be more invested in politics or culture or society than spiritual things? Third, is Christianity of faith only for getting us saved, or is it an entire worldview? Sometimes we confront this like, well, all we can really do is, is evangelize and preach and go to church. But in reality, God wants us to think really well and really carefully about every area of life, including this one. So that's a part, actually, of our Christian witness. Well, we need to wrap up this uh, overheated little unit, and we need to handle common objections as we close. First, socialism is a movement of freedom and hope, returning power to the people. Okay let's critique this historically super duper fast. No, it's not. (laughs) Socialism (laughs) slash Marxism (laughs) slash communism has been a mighty cudgel, Mm. sweeping people down, cutting them off, ending their lives. In the 20th century, communism in Russia, in China, in Cambodia, and Vietnam kills tens and tens of millions of people far more people than die, for example, under the very famous, much more famous Nazis. Socialism, closely linked to communism, is not a movement historically of freedom and hope. Before you believe that claim, you need to do your homework. You need to look up the history of communist regimes throughout the 20th century, and you need to identify the bloody trail they leave, and you need to not follow that line of thinking as a Christian socialism has robbed power from the people. Second, capitalism is based on greed. Well, okay, let's be honest. Capitalism could very much be driven by greed. So could socialism, so could any system. But it is actually not the case that the free market is driven by greed. The free market is driven by personal interest, that is not the same thing as greed. That's greed right. can enter in, but it's not necessarily the case that personal interest, personal possessions are bad. We recognize in scripture.
2: If I could also just interrupt Dr. Stran, a system cannot control everybody. And, and that's what was in view with free markets. You've got people with personal interests vying against others with personal interests that shouldn't be done with greed or with avarice. But you do have personal interest. Therefore, the free market manages itself. Oh, yes, it's a slow hand, but it is still a more manageable system because the people manage themselves when it comes to issues like pricing, competition, industry. And that is why. Even though we are not completing the end of our presentation on capitalism versus socialism, you'll have to get the entire resource at wretched.org. Free market capitalism is far more in alignment with biblical ideals than socialism, which, let us not forget, was concocted by a man initially, but it was followed by other philosophers who were 100% godless. What good institution could come from that? We hope you will avail yourself of a wretched worldview. Don't forget the study guide, your Sunday school class. It's going to be zesty. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.